This is the Relevant Podcast. It's Tuesday, February 9th, 2021, and it's the Relevant Podcast. Here in Orlando, I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and joining me from Loverland, Virginia, it's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. Um, if you heard Friday's show, you remembered that uh, Jamie Ivey and Derek Miner were not able to record. Well, guess what? It happened again. So uh, instead of Jamie and Derek today, joining us from Nashville, Tennessee, our senior editor, Tyler Huckabee. Hey, everybody. And sitting in for the whole show, one of our favorite artists, producers, songwriters from Nashville, Trent Dabbs. Hey, you. Cameron, I would add just you favorite human beings human in beings. that list. Yeah, yeah. Uh, by the way, Trent, this is great timing for Trent because I happened to see on Friday on Instagram, he uh, released his newest single. It's called Retrospect. So it's out now. So everybody go check it out. And it's available wherever you get your music. And I'm assuming, Trent, that it's the like it's the appetizer leading up to more new music from you. Is that true? Uh, yeah. Every, every month I'm going to release a single Hopefully Very with some cool. features. Now, have you, uh, since we, last time I saw you was a couple years ago and you had just written uh, Casey Musgrave's High Horse and you were at SNL when she was performing. Have you been at SNL since then? <laughs> like, like no, catch I, me up. Catch I've, me take, up. I've taken an SNL break. Um, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Just COVID and all, you know, so yeah. Yeah. yeah but yeah. Uh, listeners may not know, but I mean, longtime listeners know that Jesse and I go to like Montana every year and, you know, just have this like few days of, uh, another living, another life, I guess we could mm-hmm. say uh, a couple of years ago, Trent was on our trip and we realized how much fun he was. And I think right after that trip, he, you came on the, the podcast and did one of these, you know, sat in for the whole show things. So we're glad to do it again, man. Yeah, I miss you guys. I'm gonna be honest. Yeah, we we miss you too, man. And and we, you know, Trent, I feel like it was it was a real it was real some sort of divine intervention that made us randomly get paired up together in one of these mm. little boats that drift down the Bighorn River. I think they took the two guys on they they like I think the guides just said if I'm just visually doing a lineup here what are mm-hmm. two guys that are going to just care the least about catching fish and right. probably cause the most trouble can we at least <laughs> isolate them in one single boat and drift them and drift them away from yes. other anglers out on the river that afternoon yes. well guess who de- depleted the Bighorn River of trout that those two days me and Trent Trent we, we, did we not get I feel like first first day we were goofing around a lot okay we were goofing around, Look, yeah. guilty as charged day two fish were freaking jumping in our boat i think they realized what a great hang we were and they were just <laughs> literally biting hooks just yeah. to hang out with us for for a couple of minutes am i exaggerating that we just slaughtered that river those two days jesse there's there's no exaggeration whatsoever in your voice <laughs> none i mean i i feel like the the fish didn't take us seriously and then they started nudging each other <laughs> And they were kind of like, oh, God, here they come. We're screwed. (laughs) We might as well just surrender, which is what they did. Yeah. Like I was because I listen, I have no technique with the fly thing. Okay, I still don't fully understand the mechanics of it. Right. But I know they were biting my hook and I think they were just surrendering because there's no point in trying to evade us. I I felt like you you were more like uh, the movie The Natural, but with fly fishing. 
I feel like that too. I feel like that too. I feel like if there was some sort of like professional fly fishing league, you mm. know, like I would be that angler that like scouts come. They there's like legends brewing, and they sure. come and, sure. and they and they they want to come draft me and recruit me, and it, mm-hmm. it really could be an inspirational sort of blindside style film. I think Trent. Good lord! I mean, I haven't seen you on field and stream. I'm I'm kind of upset. Is that weird? <laughs> I wanted the cover. I wanted the cover for right. the stream. All right. All right. So we have a great show in store for you today. Coming up later, we talked to best-selling author Sarah Bessie. Uh, uh, she has a new book out. We talked to her about how her idea of prayer has evolved over the years and what it means to hold space for others while talking to God. We also have slices and your feedback at the end. Um, but before we get going, if you heard Friday's show where we had uh, Andy Minio as our guest cast member for the show, I, I didn't want to get into the show without giving you listeners a chance to get to know Andy. I want to do the same thing here with Trent. I have some questions, some of the same questions I gave Andy, but some questions that we just want to throw at Trent to give you guys an opportunity to get to know him a little better. Are you ready for this, Trent? No. The, we want the real <laughs> Trent Dabs. We want, don't, I don't want this polished mm. SNL version of you. Yes. I want, I want to get so, real. I'm so okay? polished. <laughs> okay. I'm so very polished. I'm going to take the polish off. Okay. So the, the first question I asked on Friday, same one, I'm going to start off with you. Then we'll mix it up. So music is your profession. So other than music, what topic could you give a 20 minute presentation on without any preparation? Ooh, that isn't music. Yeah. Right. Not music related. We might as well throw fly fishing in there too. Probably Sorry. film. Film? Yeah. Right. In what way? And by film, I say just movies or, or, nice. or seasons of television. <laughs> like what shows? <laughs> what seasons of what? Um, I'm currently watching Your Honor. Great oh, show. Oh, dude. Oh, it's fantastic. Um, I, I could have been the most excited human being on earth to see that uh, Freaks and Geeks came out on Hulu, which is the best show of all time. Yeah, and it has the original music on there, right? Wasn't that the Yeah, um, I, I was I was wondering if that was why it, it wasn't coming out. Probably the same reason Wonder Years couldn't be released because they had yeah. to get um permission for all those insanely great songs. They use like Billy Joel and, and Elton John and I mean like I, I would think it would take a long time to to get all those people on board. I like that the name of your presentation is Seasons of television, like yeah, by yeah. Trent Dabbs. <laughs> How, hey, Trent, has COVID, has COVID dramatically, because for I feel like this is probably an obvious question, but for me, like I watched, I watched TV, you know, prior to COVID, but yeah. now it's like, I, I find myself like just doom scrolling Netflix and like seen it, seen it, seen it. Ooh, a new season of a game show about glass blowing. Yes. Like I'm excited about that as I was for like the grand, the finale of Breaking Bad. Like, yes. Oh, the big reveal. Ooh, more glass blowing. Like how desperate has your TV watching gotten during, during the, the pandemic? Ooh, uh, I would, I would say pretty low. Yeah, it's, um, it's are we kinda, talking like housewives low? Have you gone no, down the Bravo no. rabbit trail or no, you keep I it? I haven't gotten, gotten that, that far. All right. All right. What's, what's the most embarrassing thing you watched during COVID? Probably the bachelor. Oh no. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> bad. No shame. And no I'm going to blame it on game. my daughter. Like, you know, she's watching it and dad yeah. doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't uh, affect his masculinity whatsoever. <laughs> All right, Trent, what if you had a time machine, what year would you visit? I would visit uh probably the nineteen 
65, right, right when the music was happening. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Any particular you, location? Would you, where would you want to be? Probably California. There you go. Yeah, uh, like what? That, that's like Beach Boys era, California, yeah. right? Beach like, Boys, yeah. It was really, it, that, that's like, so you're basically saying like once upon a time in Los Angeles era, like you'd yes. be hanging, you'd be kicking it with Leo and Brad just yep. kind of checking the scene out. Yep. And everyone would be, you know, thinking I was him and it would be confusing, but it would <laughs> get through it. <laughs> then I had to blowtorch the Manson family. It'd be a wild time. Just <laughs> a wild time. <laughs> All right. What is your most treasured material possession? Um, ooh, I would, I would have to say uh, I have a picture of Neil Young that was given to me by uh, Ted Danson and Mary Steenburgen, and it was, and when it was presented, she was like, I, "I think this was around the time that you met him in Nashville." So it was like the most thoughtful gift I've ever received. You just threw a Ted Danson, just kind of like a little, you just dropped yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, you, no, that was, that was, yeah, the intention. He's not even just, the marquee part of the story. It's really, it's, it's <laughs> very anyway, nice. Well, yeah. I, well I, would, I would make the case that you have an actress who's been in some of the funniest movies of the, I mean, Step Brothers. Um, how, how many Will Ferrell movies has she, has she, has she done total? Do you know, uh, uh, Trent? No, but I, I did watch the uh, outtakes of Step Brothers with her, and that was, like Come surreal. On. Yeah, that was surreal. Because she was, I, I was like, is, What was the is, scenario where is, you and her were watching outtakes to Step Brothers? Um, she has a place in Ojai and there was like a writing retreat that she had there because she's a writer. So that's how I got to know her. And we had a writing retreat, which is, it, which is, it, it is insane how beautiful that place is. It's like outside, you, it's like Whole Foods. You just go and grab orange off a tree and make some orange juice. It's... It, it's is another she is, life. Is she as nice as she appears in all of her roles? 112%. Like she and Ted together would be the couple that I would just want to emulate forever. They, they, they dote on each other. They're, they don't have their cell phones when they're talking to you. And Ted's like, how are the kids? I'm like, wait, you're Ted. What, why would you care? I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's remarkable. Like, I think it takes a lot of, it just has to take a lot of effort and, and, they're they're beautiful people. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. All right. Do you have a scar? And if so, how'd you get it? Um, I have a scar right here on my finger from uh, trying to change a light bulb yesterday. Light bulb broke. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it's not it's not a it's not deep, but it's there. Nonetheless, it is there. Did how, it break? How poorly, how poorly did the light bulb changing situation have to go that it left you scarred? <laughs> You're permanently scarred. I'm, I'm very, I'm very handy. Very. <laughs> yeah. I don't doubt that. Listen, I'm it not quite sure. Listen, I'm not quite sure how to change a light bulb, but I'm not going to call a handyman in. I'm going to yeah. think, I, I think I know what to do. You just Thank punch you. it. You Shove just it punch it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just going to punch this the broken one first, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's that didn't work. The effect. Uh, <laughs> all right, Trent, this is a serious one. Would you rather fart or burp glitter? Would you rather fart or burp glitter? I'd have to say fart because how pleasant would that be to not know and you, you're around me and I'm just like, hey, check it. Just a cloud. Just a yeah, cloud. I'll, yeah. I would just tap someone on the shoulder and bam. Hey, real quick. A little spray of... <laughs> Like being pepper sprayed, but with glitter. 
So it's happy. Yeah. That's like the, yeah. you know, it's like a confetti gun, like the only gun that anyone truly would be happy about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, would you, would you rather be able to run at a hundred miles an hour or fly at 10 miles an hour? I think I would, I think I would fly. I think I would just, cause it would, it would feel so careful. You know, at 10 miles an hour. Yeah, I could like high five, you know, pigeons. It's, it's really more of a glide at that point. It is a glide. glide. It's not a drift. Yeah. It is a drift. Would, would you rather run 100 miles or slowly and awkwardly glide? You know, like it's like saying, hey, you can have you can have the gift of flight, but you the, the maximum height's four and a half feet. It's like, well, that's kind of ruins kind of the fun because then because I'm, I'm really low, man. I am really low. Like, you're, you're just hitting people, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, like yeah, right. I, Every- I, I got to lay down to, to like be, you know, or like be in the cannonball position. Yeah, yeah. And now I'm just a hazard whipping around at chest high, you yeah. know, chest high. People play on basketball. You're like, heads up, guys! Hey, but, hey, hey! Hold up! But, hey, like, hey, if I was up, a genie, if I was a genie and I could do this and like grant people these wishes, I wouldn't. I wouldn't add in the stipulation. I'd be like, you can run 100 miles an hour or fly. And they're like, oh, definitely fly. They're like, oh yeah, I meant to tell you, it's only four and a half feet. Have fun! And, oh so, man, well that kind of ruins it. Yeah. Exactly. So you tell them, but it's afterwards. Yeah, mm. exactly. Hey, congrats. Have fun with the flight, but just be careful. Uh, you, you know, a lot of people can get chest injuries. You're, you're, you're about your sternum height. So, so watch yourself out there. All right, Trent, would you rather be four foot five or seven foot seven? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with seven, seven foot seven. I've, I've always wanted to be tall, but I mean, that's, that's overly tall, but that's you know what? It's something, very to, it's something to talk yeah. about, you know? Yeah. It'd be a great yeah. talking point for my music. Can we bring it back to that? You would call the band Tallest Man on Earth and be like, bad news, guys. Legally, yeah. the, the band name's mine now. I'm now, releasing man, I'm now releasing music under the name Tallest Man on Earth. Sorry, it's legally yeah. mine. Taller would, Man on Earth. Would you, would you rather go without TV or junk food for the rest of your life? Oh, I'd rather go without junk food for sure. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. That'd be uh, nice. What life lesson did you learn the hard way? Um, don't approach famous people with songs. Really? <laughs> Do tell. Yeah. No, I did. I did. I I told it last time I was on, you know, three hundred episodes ago. But um, when I had my most embarrassing moment and all that, yeah, the, the, this was your encounter with Garth Brooks, right? Yeah, it was just seventeen years ago. <laughs> Let's so, be, yeah be clear a different phase of your career yeah different phase i was Pre- a completely SNL. different human yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. and i'm gonna leave that there <laughs> yep people can go in the archives to hear exactly what transpired yeah, you at the gotta diner go back that fateful day yeah yeah uh, john, how did, johnny swim episode how did you spend the money from your very first job uh i bought some cds yeah probably jeff buckley grace or something Oh, back yeah. when back when my dad would go with me to to the record store and his response to everything would be like sixteen dollars <laughs> <laughs> and everybody would be like hey we'll we'll give you the we'll give you the uh you know the worker rate here it's fine it was like it was like if you act like it's it's insane how much the price is and people embarrassing you know what it's fine we'll give you the the discount here where did you buy your music from when you were a kid did you go was it was it just like a target or did you go to a record uh, store like a no record there store? was a bebop record store in mississippi i ended up working there for a little while 
But yeah, there was that's that's when you would speak to the uh, the guys that worked there, and didn't matter what they said, they would be like turning you on to music. And you'd be like, oh yeah, yeah, I got to get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. taste makers. The, yeah, the high fidelity situation. Yeah, the totally. Record store. Yeah. The, the, that's exactly. That's, like a, that. that's a pretty cool. That's a pretty cool job. That's like a job that you could tell people about, and they're like, oh, I bet that's like, I bet he's interesting and listens I to mean, cool bands. Like Jeff, I, I can't even tell you how many albums I bought just from their recommendation. Yeah. You know? When I was uh, when I was growing up, uh, there was a record store called Peaches that I would go to, and it, it always had great staff, great selections, great curation. And and years later, come to find out that the years that I frequented it are the same years that Dan Hasseltine from Jars of Clay was working there, like. Little, oh, so probably, little Cameron and slightly older Dan Hasseltine. Probably, he probably recommended one of the albums that I bought in that era. It's kind of funny. You heard of this band called Jars of Clay? Yeah. Oh, you got to oh, you gotta check it out. Yeah. Pre Jars. $16. <laughs> 16 I heard you only have one good song. Um, okay, so last two. Uh, you have an itch on your butt, inside your ear, and up your nose at the same time, but you can only scratch one. Which one? But inside your ear and up your nose, same time. Oh, inside your ear for sure. Really? Mm. Yeah. You're gonna let the pick. nose itch keep going. Oh wow. Yeah. We got to get the ear. Crucial. You're gonna, be, you're, you're gonna be walking around doing the bewitch thing all day. You know, if you don't choose the nose. <laughs> dated reference. Very dated. Very uh, dated. Hey, Nick at night. All, all the all the all the Nick at night moms out there. That one's yeah. for you. That one's for you. That's free. A little Samantha ga- gag for the uh, old timers. If you could immediately gain one skill, what would it be? Um, it would uh, it'd be flying uh, more than four feet. <laughs> I don't think flying's a skill. I don't yeah, think no. it's a skill. Like, some, like a countries. real life skill. Um, I would I would honestly be really really a really really good mechanic because I have a Grand Wagoneer, like an old eighty five. Nice. I've learned a lot about it. But still, I get stuck in the 90s because when my phone dies and I'm on the interstate and it's on the side of the road, I'm suddenly hitchhiking. And uh, it would be nice. It would be nice to lift up the hood and, and not, you know, and be like, ah, it's the defibrillator caps and the manifold trust. <laughs> Trent, can I ask you about that particular vehicle? Sure. Because uh, I don't know a lot about Grand Wagoners, but I could be wrong about this. But weren't there a run at some point, maybe early mid 90s, that would have prominent wood paneling down the side? Am I thinking of the right vehicle? Are you talking about real wood or I, vinyl? Well, 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 it was made to appear like wood yes. on the exterior. Because that's it, what, so that's what mine is like. And, and I okay. ordered a, a whole new side of wood, right? And it's like $1,300. And I'm like, I can't wait for this thing to come. And when it came yeah. in the mail, it looked like a large toilet paper roll. And I was like, wait, what is this? It's like, it's a vinyl sticker. That's what it is. Oh, that is so disappointing. Right? I mean, I was like, I didn't even think about that. I'm like, well, sure. Surely it's a good sticker for that. You thought, this, you thought, thought, thought it was real wood? Re- you really? Th- then Honestly, you can't go through a car wash with wood. It's gonna like, Cameron. I feel judged. Okay, just let, <laughs> just let me. I, I don't know. I was like for thirteen hundred, thirteen hundred dollars. That's true. You think you more than a sticker You're for thirteen hundred? Right. Yeah, for thirteen hundred bucks. I've watched enough Chip and Joe to know that better have come from like a reclaimed farmhouse, you know, up on you know New England somewhere. That that's yeah. an expensive. You know, sticker you got for yeah. the for the. But well, you have you have. There, there's a reason those things are like extinct because like you have to get the same exact. Like when the engine died, you couldn't just get like a Chrysler engine. You have to get the exact same model from the Jeep. 
mm. like from a yeah. junkyard, the whole thing. So, yeah. yeah. And, and, and the whole premise of me even having it for eight years was to give it to my son one day and he's 12. So I was like, Hey, I'm, I, I got to get this out of the shop, you know, so we can get it ready here. And he's like, Oh, I'm good. I was like, Wait, what? <laughs> he's like, I got, I got this big, he's like, no, I don't, I don't, I don't want it. Fine. I was like, yeah. you don't want it. What? what? I was, it was, it, it was painful. Oh man. So what are you going to do with it? Sell it? Oh, I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep that yeah. thing as long as I can. Yeah, 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 for sure. All right. Well, uh, I feel like we got to know the real Trent Dabs just then. I appreciate you indulging it. All right, everybody, stay tuned. Up next, it's slices. You're listening to Goth Babe. The song is Canary Islands. Well, today's show is brought to you by Bombas. Bombas makes the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. They've literally rethought every little detail about the socks we wear every day to make them more comfortable. I wear them every day for real. The best socks that I own. I look for them in the pile of laundry. I love my Bombas. I have the no-shows. I have the longer ones. And what I love about them, aside from just the comfort and the quality and all that stuff, is that they do more than keep our feet cozy. Bombas helps give back to the most vulnerable members of our community. For every pair of socks that we purchase, Bombas donates a pair to someone in need. The generosity of Bombas customers has allowed them to donate over 40 million pairs of socks and counting through their nationwide network of more than 3,000 giving partners. And the impact is more powerful than ever. To those experiencing homelessness, these socks represent the dignity of putting on clean clothes, a small comfort that's especially important right now. You can give a pair when you buy a pair and get 20% off your first purchase at bombas.com slash relevant. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash relevant for 20% off your first purchase. Bombas.com slash relevant. Okay, it's time for Slices. What do you have, Jesse? All right. Uh, you know, these we're, I'm talking to a handful of cosmopolitan gentlemen, you know, guys who like For taking sure. to the streets, going out in, in the evenings or at least, you know, pre-pandemic and, you know, hopefully in the future. Real quick around the table, what are your guys' thoughts about the Lime Scooter situation? Because I personally think it's fantastic. I love Lime Scooters. I... Even if I have to go like a block, I am I am renting a lime and I'm doing busting out tricks and weaving in and out dangerously close to people the entire way. What do you guys think about limes? I've pro. never remember you. I'm pro lime scooter. One. I'm pro. Yeah, I, think I just yeah, I just haven't done it. I think they're fun. I think it's a good. I think it's a it, it it makes it feel it's like a magic carpet ride. It makes it feel like fun to like otherwise boring commutes become kind of like a check this oh, yeah. out. Yeah. yeah, like it's a stupid trick, but it makes me feel it's very fun. Trent, are you a lime guy? Lime scooter? I, I've never ridden a lime scooter, but I know in Nashville they're everywhere. So uh, they're and they're just kind of spread along the streets. So yeah. I, it a, a part of me feels very uh very much like a sage where I'm just like get those things out of here, you know. <laughs> See, <laughs> I, clear I, my streets up. 
I, I love lime scooters. I think they're 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 a great idea. But part of the reason I like lime scooters is because I find myself spending a lot of time watching YouTube videos of people trying dangerous things on them that they aren't made to do, and either breaking the scooter or getting seriously hurt. They're hilarious, and you can't really feel bad for these people because if you've got onto a lime scooter before, they're way heavier than you think, and they're way faster than you think, and they're they're very dangerous. And they also, you know, they they intentionally put the, <laughs> the logic. I don't even know what kind of legal loophole they had to go go around because they put them like outside of bars and stuff, right? Like already people probably not making the best decisions are getting on tiny little motorized vehicles and sure. just zipping around town. But I think uh, Lime's next move, it, it, it's cause for a little bit of concern, not from people like me. I think I think watching people wreck these are hilarious. Uh, but that Lime has announced that in, in multiple cities, they're going to roll out their newest innovation which are rentable mopeds. So they they they're painted green just like the lime kind of deal, but is a moped that you can sit on and give it one to two people and it can go up to 90 miles on a single charge with a top speed of 28 miles an hour. I'm not I, I don't I've never Cameron you've you've had mopeds. How mm-hmm. fast is 28 on a moped? Uh you you're cooking. I mean it's like you know the smaller Vespas, the 50 cc Vespas. They go maybe 35 or so. So it's in that range. Uh, but yeah. you you feel like you're cooking. I mean, yeah. It, well, and here's the other thing that I feel like is a little dangerous on Lime's part is that they're putting helmets in on the back of all these. And and there's like you know when you unlock the 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 Lime moped and jump on it, it knows if the helmet's been checked out, and it won't mm. start unless the helmet's not in its place. I feel like you're emboldening people because you're when you're renting one of these, you have no inhibitions about breaking it. Like if I'm on a Lime scooter, it's like I think it can go down four or five stairs pretty easily. But like like you you just feel like somewhat obligated to get every dime of your money's worth and, and being like, I'll jump that curb. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm down for at least one little race or, you know, I think I can fit through that little alleyway and get it jammed and stuck and just leave it there because I rented it. Who cares? I think this is a. I think on one hand, this is a fantastic idea because I would love to just rent a moped and zip around, and if I break it, literally, who cares? But I also think it's a profoundly terrible idea for public safety because the other thing too is you're giving people a helmet, you're emboldening them. You know, you you are daring people leaving like a nightclub at one thirty in the morning to do something crazy on a tiny moped that they have no experience driving because they don't own it and there's a helmet on. I think I think on one hand it's a terrible idea, but on the other hand, I am very very excited for all the videos that we soon get to see of like hipsters <laughs> attempting to jump these in urban areas and going like evil, evil Knievel with really ill-advised moves because we're the ones who get to absorb all the content here us rational mm-hmm. people i think it's a i think on one hand a terrible idea the other hand i think it's a fantastic idea rentable mopeds i mean because i would even i would even need a destination i'd be like i don't know i'm just going riding the lime around and i'm probably gonna break yeah. it by the end of the, the day the thing that bugs me about them all is just like when the people get to where they're going they just kind of leave everything on the ground as you drive around in any city it's just like there's just scooters and junk laying around eyesore. yeah and so my, have you heard they're working on the autonomous driving so like the scooters and stuff will be able to drive themselves back to uh, one of the charging stations and stuff like no, that, would be, that cool. would be better than just walking outside you know you walk outside of a restaurant downtown and, and you just see like five of them like a flock of seagulls just kind of uh, sitting there and all but, but, but is that better or worse than five of them driving themselves yeah down it's the a little weird it, it, it could be a little eerie i suppose especially yeah. if you're if you're leaving a bar late at night maybe not already thinking clearly you're like guys 
five ghosts on scooters outside. <laughs> just a dead. It was weird, weirdest thing. Well, you, I mean, I got to disagree about them laying around. I don't really care because half the fun is just ghost riding it into your destination. Like, well, oh, they, hey, the restaurant's right up there, guys. I just jump off my moving lime and just let it crash into the nearby trash can. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh, that's part of the fun. I didn't buy this. I rented it. So, lime, you figure it out. Oh, my gosh. Like, this, is, this, city's is, near you. this is sponsored by lime, right? Yeah, for <laughs> real. All right, be. what do you have, Tyler? All right, so if I, I I don't know how into well, Jesse, I would imagine you're probably familiar with this, but but the rest of you, I'm not I'm not sure how familiar you are with uh with sort of unsolved mysteries of your. If I say if I say the Dietlov Pass or the Dietlov Pass incident, do do any of you know what I'm talking about? No clue. Very very familiar. Very familiar. yeah. Jesse, I'm sure this this is a, a very famous unsolved mystery that took place in Russia in the 50s, where a a team of adventurers, uh, about 10 uh, adventurers went on a skiing expedition in the Ural Mountains in Russia. And uh, it was a multi-day hiking, skiing uh, adventure. And they went missing. And uh, some days later, after the rescue teams were sent out, their tent was found torn apart. And the, the team was found. They, they, had, they, had all, they had all died. And it was a total myth. Nobody knew what happened. Was it Yetis? Was it UFOs? Was it some sort of secret Russian, you know, Soviet Union military experiment gone awry? Because there was just no way to under, there was no understanding of why this would have happened. No evidence to, to, to suggest what would have gone wrong. So... Or last year, 2019, rather, there's a young researcher by the name of Dr. Puzrin, and he heard about the story of what happened at this pass, and he got interested in trying to figure out what had gone wrong. So he started doing some research, and he had hit a dead end, was not able to figure out what had actually gone on until he saw the movie Frozen 2. And as he was watching, he's and as he was watching the snowfall in that movie, he realized that they had done a lot of work on how snow actually falls in these CGI models. So he reached out to Disney, was able to sit down with some people there at Disney to figure out how they had calculated this. And he used their models that they'd used for Frozen 2 of how snow actually falls to create a similar experiment on a computer of how snow would have worked at the time of the Dietlov past. And what he found is that there was an avalanche that had taken place that evening that had then been covered up by snow so all evidence of this avalanche had actually uh been erased basically overnight so they sent their camp tumbling down and that's what actually caused the the deaths but for since uh for the past 62 years nobody had figured it out until this kid saw this movie and realized that this is how snow actually works because of the frozen 2 cgm model of snow hmm. i wonder how frozen many two. Other movie, yeah, mysteries gonna be solved because of Pixar. Because of Frozen Two. <laughs> because yeah. of Frozen Learn, 2. hey, learned a lot of lessons in that movie. You know, I, 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 I have, I have young children, and so I've seen Frozen Two, uh, probably uh, uh, north of uh, you know four hundred thousand times. Mm. Um, and have you guys seen the film? Yes. Okay, yes, you I know, haven't actually. No. Oh, Trent, have you have you seen Frozen Two? Uh, no, this is a movie. That's that's right. It's a film. It's a film by uh, 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 Walt. Uh, what, what's it called? Dis. I think it's Walt. Uh, it's some, Disney. It's an upstart. Walter. Little, Walter Disney. Yeah, Walter Disney, Disney. Uh, is, I believe, is the filmmaker. A French um, auteur. No, no, but but I love walking around my neighborhood. If if I hear kids like playing anywhere, I just go like this. Oh, 
Like, that's like the main thing in the movie is like they hear this like haunted, uh, uh, like cry in the distance. That is some sort of like, you know, Scandinavian weird folklore thing that Disney appropriated and, and jammed in the movie. But I love doing it in a neighborhood whenever you hear kids playing because you just hear them stop and be like, oh my gosh, that's the ice horse calling. Like, you can literally <laughs> just freak out kids in any neighborhood by oh just gosh. shouting that out as loud as you can. I do it all the time whenever I hear kids play. It's, it's really great. Trent, do you have a, a slice today? Uh, yeah, let, let's, uh, let's call this header, uh, pardon me. Uh, Dolly Parton turned down an offer to receive the Presidential Medal of Freedom twice during the Donald Trump administration. Oh my goodness. Mm, right? <laughs> uh, but it come, come to find out that it, it was because her husband, uh, had the COVID. I don't know why that bothers me when people say the COVID, but, um, COVID. And, uh, so she couldn't make it. And then- Joe Biden talked to her about getting the same award, and she said, well, she's just going to decline. She says, now, I feel like if I take it, I'd be doing politics, but I'm not sure, she said. But I won't, I don't work for those awards. It'd be nice, but I'm sure that, I'm not even sure I deserve it. But it's a nice compliment <laughs> for people to think that I might deserve it. And that this is something that I love about her, because I watched the uh, documentary about her, and she doesn't get into politics she is one of the only artists that I can think of that every single person at least yeah. doesn't have a problem with. Like, right. yeah. she, she, she's amazing. And I, I, when I saw this header, I was like, what? This has got to be political. But it turns out, you know what? She's just not going to do it, which must be nice. You know, I'm just going to turn down this huge award. It's fine. The, the, Dolly Parton has like her moral compass. Like, I, I feel like, you know, if, mm. if, I feel like she could just be like some sort of wise, wise sage that we just go to with questions. Like, I don't know. We're in a real pickle here. Every humanity. Let's see what Dolly Parton thinks, because yeah. honestly, like she's never, she's always right about everything. And it's always like anything that you read about her or the film or the, the podcast series. I know Tyler, you talked to Jad Abumrad on this show right. about um, <clears throat> the Dolly Parton podcast from the radio lab crew. That was so good. She just seems to have a really interesting sense of not, not necessarily like morality, but like ethics about what mm -hmm. is just right you know yeah. like i feel like morality standards ebb and flow you know people you know care about different stuff when it comes to that but like when it comes to making ethical decisions or or kind of taking ethical stands she's always right on right i agree how do you how do you think that like I, I read this story as well, and and it was obviously very kind of of Dolly to offer to stay to stay behind with her husband who was ill, and in lieu of going to get the Presidential Medal of Freedom. How sick would your significant other have to be for you to tell the White House, eh, Presidential Medal of Freedom? I I got it. You never know when he's going to need another glass of water or something over here. The like. <laughs> That feel I don't think I don't think she was making up an excuse. I truly don't think she has a false bone in her body. I'm just like I don't I can't imagine what sort of like modern inconvenience would come up where I'm like ah oh, it's either Presidential Medal of Freedom, but I told but, Ryan we'd hang out this afternoon, yeah. so I guess it's I got obligations. There's potentially a Saved by the Bell reunion on TV. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm really trying to get. It. I, I I gotta be honest. It's news to me that she that she's married. I wasn't even aware of that. So, but it sounds like she's pretty devoted. He's wife, very out so. of the spotlight. He's yeah. very reticent. He doesn't like to be photographed. Or I can't even think of his guy. The name. They've been married for many many years, but but he is not a not he's he's not in the. That's so interesting. Yeah. Uh, would you rather, from this moment on, would you rather mentally or physically never age? 
right mentally now, frozen time, age. mentally or physically never age. Hmm. I already feel like I'm on the downside mentally. <laughs> so I would say physically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going to agree I, yeah, with that. Phys- yeah. Yeah. I'm going to agree with that. I think you I'll just get, that. I think I'll just get funnier and more ornery during yeah. an old age. Just give it, yeah. bring that on. Accelerate. Like grumpy that. old men, but you know, yeah. it's classic. Yeah. Yeah. Trent, exactly. Would you rather have the details of your financial life or your love life be made public? Ooh, let's go with love life because then I feel like it might be some sort of uh, optimistic promotion for marriage. <laughs> there oh, you that's go. good. I like that. Oh, I, I like that. That's that good. Sound, positive. You sound like a young Dolly Parton, Trent. <laughs> just, just, I'm just tickled. I'm just tickled. Good. Yeah. yeah. Would you rather spend the day at an amusement park or lazing on the beach? Amusement park. Really? Yeah. I'm a seven. I'm a, you know, it's, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's the eternal, uh, it's how, how many roller coasters, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's, I'm just, I'm already disappointed that it has to end when I'm, you know, when the thing is clicking going up. I'm tired within minutes of arriving at an amusement park. Like, I'm like, okay, I got to find a place to sit down. This (laughs) is an all day. Is this an all day thing today, guys? Are we cutting out a little early? Like, that's the first thing I think when I get to an amusement park. All I see is lines and standing. I'm out. I'm out. I'll I'll power through till lunch. But just know I'm going to find one of those indoor amusement, you know, little 40 theater things. And I'm going to watch about four shows in a row. Just sit in the AC for a while. That's, you know. I mean, last year when we were on tour with, uh, need to breathe my friend and i we had a day off and we got in an uber for an hour and a half and went to cedar point the <laughs> roller coaster capital of the world two grown men rode roller coasters the entire day that's a red flag did they send you through a special entrance <laughs> 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 they give you a special bracelet to keep an eye on you it was so inspiring guys would you rather be the star player on a terrible losing basketball team or ride the bench on a winning one well i feel like i have been on the bench and and a winning one. <laughs> Back in high school, we won twelve and zero tramp championship rings, and then we got the title taken away because they were. I say, I'll say they. They were recruiting players. So no way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so it man. felt amazing. You know, we had that big old ring, twelve and zero, and then we got it wow. taken away. Wow. Good would story, re- though. <laughs> would you rather be an unknown major league baseball player or a famous badminton star? Unknown. Major League Baseball or famous badminton star? Does the badminton pay? I don't know. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Literally, no, like even even like a non-famous Major League Baseball player, it's like that guy plays Major League Baseball. That's pretty cool. It, it was like, hey, that guy's the wor- most world famous badminton player. I'm like, well, what does he do for a real job? Because right. uh, <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> that sounds true. like that sounds like a YMCA. Because great, uh, great. I can. I'm really good at crochet. So uh, or croquet. And if we have a barbecue, I'll be sure to invite that guy. But in the meantime, how's he earning <laughs> an income here? Although every now and then, it never seems to last very long. But every now and then, you get one of those guys and. It, becomes the start of like the the badminton renaissance you know like i was like somebody who's really good and and good in front of a camera like knows how to work the pr and all of a sudden everyone's going out for the badminton team at their local high school it's i yeah. feel like that's what the olympics are like it's like all these sports that like so, nobody yeah. ever yeah. pays attention to and now he's a national hero uh, yeah, it's it's like you you pay attention that one afternoon you happen to be watching ESPN two, you know, after the strongman competition ends, and you know, and they just have some ran like there's like during like height of COVID when all the sports leagues were shut down, they, ESPN primetime was showing cornhole leagues, right? Like <laughs> like I feel like yeah, great that guy just won the, a cornhole tournament. 
great. That's the peak of his life. <laughs> and and there's like, you, you know, a 12 people in the audience. I, I would go Major League Baseball all day long. No question. All right. Last one. Would, would you rather be known for your intelligence or your good looks? Known for my intelligence? Yeah. That'd be they nice. offering a lot of modeling contracts I mean, for I smart mean, people now. It's very difficult because I feel like I'm so well known for both. That yeah, it's kind of like a, it's, it's a paradox. At, at, your, at your funeral, they're like, he was such an incredibly handsome man. Uh-huh. <laughs> In fact, the most handsome man here. <laughs> he was what the smartest I- human that I knew. The smartest. <laughs> man, that feels a little better. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> all right all right that'll do it for slices stay tuned up next sarah bessie joins us You're listening to our guest cast member, Trent Dabbs. It's his new single, Retrospect. Go check it out wherever you get your music. It's great. Well, today's show is also brought to you by Upper Room. There's some good daily comforts that just make you grateful and feel more grounded in life, like petting a dog or hitting that snooze button. And of course, that first cup of coffee. These are things that you can count on every day to help you get where you want to go. Things like the Upper Room Daily Devotional Guide. You can count on the Upper Room for daily inspiration, daily community, and daily prayer. It's the only daily devotional magazine written by readers, ordinary people, people who have encountered God in daily situations. The Upper Room is here for you every day through your email, uh, a custom app, or printed magazine. You can enjoy a free 30-day trial of their email or app service by visiting upperroom.org slash welcome. That's upper, U-P-P-E-R-R-O-O-M dot org slash welcome. Get your first 30 days for free. Well, Sarah Bessie is a writer, speaker, and best-selling author. She's written books like Jesus Feminist, Miracles, and Other Reasonable Things. And most recently, A Rhythm of Prayer, a collection of meditations for renewal, which is actually out today. She sat down uh, with us to talk about her new book, how her idea of prayer has evolved over the years, and what it means to hold space for others while talking to God. Here's our conversation with Sarah Bessie. You've released enough books now that to be kind of familiar, you know the drill. But um, but dropping something into the middle of this time, does it feel like there's extra pressure, like to make sure that what you're saying speaks directly to the time and place and these unprecedented whatever it is? Is that is that something that you feel, or, am, or are you feeling it now? Because I'm asking the question. Oh, I wasn't before, but now thanks. No, uh, <laughs> no, I think so. I mean, because originally this book was actually supposed to come out in um, at the end of September. Yeah. in 2020. And it got pushed back because of the pandemic and because of, you know, just all the myriad of reasons that are going on right now. And I remember feeling really disappointed because I felt like it was incredibly timely for that moment in time. Hmm. And then all of a sudden, 
this last few months has kind of happened. And it felt a little bit like this might be the most timely thing I've ever been able to be a part of, which, you know, is, is rare. I'm rarely one with the hot take. Right. And so <laughs> having, having something like this know. at a moment, <laughs> only on Twitter, like once in a blue moon. Okay. But there's this moment in a lot of these prayers, I think, especially because it's collaborative, and there's so many different people's voices here. It just ended up being right on time. Tell us about the book a little bit. What is it? So this book is called A Rhythm of Prayer. Um, and it's a collaborative book about prayer and examples of prayer with an incredible community of uh, readers and, and writers and activists and leaders who mean a lot to me. Um, and I think a lot to a lot of folks who have found them to be really good and faithful leaders. So people like Lisa Sharon Harper, uh, Nadia Boltz-Weber, Barbara Brown-Taylor, um, Emmy Kegler. But it was um, a book that came to me, you know, I one of the things that I found kind of interesting over the last number of years in work and in ministry and in life is how many people find it um, funny that I love to pray as much as I love to pray, which sounds funny to say out loud, but I, I end all my books with prayer. I love to pray with people and for people. It's a huge part of my own life and has been for years and years. And I think for those of us who lead in these spaces that oftentimes our conversations with people who are deconstructing their faith or who are in a process of figuring out what to hang on to and what to let down, a lot of times the ways that we were taught to pray is almost some of the first stuff to go, right? Hmm. Um, I think especially when you come from a background like mine, because I come from like, you know, my faith tradition, how I was introduced to Jesus was in that prosperity gospel, word of faith, name it and claim it kind of thing. And so, I mean, you live longer than a hot minute, you know, you, you learn some of the trauma and baggage that comes with that, right? And so, I think that rediscovering and reimagining prayer was a huge part of my own journey. And so, in a lot of ways, the book came together um, as almost like that form of a prayer circle. It was very communal. It's not a book of here's how to pray or here's all the theological reasons to pray as much as it is an invitation into prayer and a lot of permission for all the ways that we pray or don't pray right now. In a, I, My hope is, is that it helps people reimagine and re-enter prayer, that they, um, they are maybe even given back prayer in ways they hadn't expected. You grow up and prayer looks like folded hands and, and bowing your head. And and that was my tradition. I did not grow up in the prosperity tradition, but it was a very evangelical, like, these are the times when you pray. We pray before we eat and we pray before we go to bed and we pray at church sometimes. And I think as I grow out of that, prayer becomes this very nebulous, um, uh, <laughs> like, prayer is kind of just thinking vaguely Jesus-y thoughts and, and it's not even really, there, there's nothing concrete about it. Do you think that is that, can that be prayer or does prayer need to have really a definite time and discipline and intention behind it? Um, like how, I guess, how concrete do you think the rules of what is and is not prayer are? My son, who's, you know, given me permission to share this story before. And so I don't, I try not to talk about my kids unless they've given me their, their okay on it. Um, but I remember when he was really little, he was in this um, like, you know, kind of church program um, at uh, with a bunch of other friends and they had a art day, like where they were doing art therapy around prayer. And they said, you know, would you draw a picture of what you think prayer is? And I got a call from the teacher to kind of come in and take a look at it, which 
you know, if you've raised kids for longer than a minute, you know, that can go like a lot of different ways. And so I ended up going into the classroom and she showed me, um, she had me sit down and she showed me kind of the pictures that the other kids had all drawn, which were all things like what we were just saying, right? The folded hands and the, you know, uh, sitting around the dinner table at supper time and somebody saying grace or your mom or dad uh, praying for you at your bed, you know, at, at bedtime. She said, I want you to look at what Joe drew. And she turned around this piece of paper and he'd drawn, you know, just little, little stick figures. It was like himself with the red t-shirt on and, you know, he had little sticky up brown hair and um, he was sitting on our back deck in our, at our house. And there's like, you know, a sun in the corner, you know, with the little stick sunshine kind of thing coming down. Very you, you got it. Yeah. <laughs> and he had drawn a picture also of Jesus sitting beside him. And you know, it's Jesus because it's got the white robe and the blue sash, like every kid's Bible ever. And, you know, I'm just grateful. It's not a blonde blue eyed Jesus, I guess. So we'll call that a win. <laughs> but he had drawn himself and Jesus beside each other on our deck. And he had these little cartoon bubbles of, you know, like when people are talking to each other in a comic book and he'd written, um, I love you, Joseph. And I love you, Jesus. And I love you, Joseph. And I love you, Jesus. And at the bottom, he'd written, this is Joe and his Jesus. This is how we pray. And there was, it really was a shift for me when I saw that. I mean, I just, you know, it's in my keepsake box to this day. But there was this moment of saying, okay, however you pray, whether it's liturgical or it's common prayer or it's just thinking, you know, holding some space or lighting a candle or going for a rage walk or, you know, reading scripture in a, you know, however it is that you're praying, the conversation that's happening, I think, underneath all of that is the thing that we're really looking for. And it's that mm-hmm. sitting sitting with God and sensing and knowing and having that that conversation of, I love you, Tyler, and I love you, God. And I love you. And just knowing that that's the thing that's actually happening underneath all of it, I think. What a story. What a what a really powerful. Um, yeah, that's really, the, 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 as illustrations go, uh, that one delivers. They don't always, but that one really <laughs> no. hits home. That's, no. uh, that's, um, it's very special. I will remember that for a long time, Sarah. Hmm. Um. Can I ask you a little more about the book? Yeah, of course. The women that you've pulled in to be part of this project, Murderer's Row of... Uh, Rogue's of Gallery, for sure. <laughs> who, I would love, who I would love to be praying for me. Uh, why, why them? Um, you know, I have a relationship with almost every single one of them outside of these pages. Actually, I think with uh-huh. pretty much every single one of them in some capacity. I've either bothered them or attached myself to them or stalked them in some capacity. Um, and I asked these group of women because I trusted them to pray honestly, mm-hmm. I think. I mean, I don't even know that I necessarily named that at the beginning as much as I thought I, my capacity for BS at the moment when I asked them to do this was at an all-time low. Mm-hmm. And I needed someone who I knew would be honest um, about the struggles of prayer, about the... Um, even sometimes the loneliness of it, um, the purpose of it, and would would allow room for the whole totality of what it meant to be a human person. That there these these were women I trusted wouldn't perform for for anyone, and that meant something to me then, and it means something a lot to me now um, because I think the idea of sometimes that we have gotten is that we need to perform 
some of these things or say the right things because it's how we were taught to pray or how we were taught to be or how we're allowed to talk about God or how we're allowed to talk to God. And I think that even that was something that I really needed was the permission for that. And, you know, and I think you see that even a lot in scripture in that, you know, the Bible is way more honest about how we talk with God than most of our churches, right? And so, that's where you have you know, arguing with God and um, conversations with God and the thank you, the gratitude, you know, oftentimes, even in the moments when you are uh, most devastated is when you can see God most clearly. And so, I needed women like that. And I trusted, I trusted them to do that. And they did. The, um, the tension that I think a lot of us feel with prayer is asking God to do things for us. Uh, for healing, for uh, financial help, uh, professional goals or whatever. And then we feel bad because a lot of everybody gets those things. You know, you, you get an, you maybe get what you would call an answer to prayer, but why didn't this person get an answer to prayer then? And, and does that mean that God likes them better or listen to my prayers more than theirs? And that can get you really tripped up when you start praying and make you very scared or confused do you have any advice for how to deal with that when you go in to pray mm. or God to work changes in the world around you? That's a really, really um, empathetic question, I think, for people, Tyler. So, thank you for that. I I have found myself in that space um, in my life of being part of what I call the company of those of us with unanswered prayers. And mm-hmm. I think the temptation in that moment um, is to, you you can have this temptation to want to explain that away or skip over that disorientation um, and that disruption that comes to us. And I think some of the hardest work we do is leaning into what we think prayer is for. Um, I think especially if you've been taught a model of prayer or a way of praying that is about controlling outcomes, um, especially for Mm -hmm. people whom you love or for yourself, yeah. um, it's very rarely selfish. And that's part of the reason why I find it, it it may be sometimes frustrating when there can be some judgment about how people were taught how to pray. It's very rarely is it selfish. Almost always it's motivated by love and by empathy and by kindness and knowing God's heart for people. And so, I think that learning how to deal with that honestly learning how to name that, turning towards teachers who continue to pray even in the face of um, apocalypse and praying in the face of a lack of hope. Um, Who are the people in your life or the leaders in your life who have made space for prayer beyond um, controlling outcomes? And what do you learn about prayer from those those places and those spaces? I find that oftentimes when I lost prayer altogether – um, that made room for me to reimagine prayer in ways I never would have expected if I just kept doing mm. the thing that I'd been taught. Mm. Um, and I think that it's okay to take a minute and trust that the conversation we're actually having is still happening underneath all of it. Um, yeah. And that you can continue to pray in what I, you believe is God's heart for you and for the world, which is one of flourishing, and that won't ever lead you wrong. Sarah Bessie. You can buy her new book, A Rhythm of Prayer, today. Break a wise, break a wise.
The song is Black Rain. Well, normally right now we'd be doing your feedback, but because we just kind of had an unusual week and unusual cast and all that kind of stuff, uh, we're going to punt it to next week. So all your dog name suggestions, keep them coming in. Hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast, or you can post on our Instagram comments as well. So tell us your creative dog name ideas. I think I win with my dog, Charles Barkley, but I'm biased. Hey, check out the uh, new issue of Relevant. Uh, it's out now. The January, February issue features Pharrell on the cover and some amazing content. It's available for free. Just go to the homepage of Relevant, click on the magazine tab, and there it is. Only have a few weeks left before we debut our March issue. So uh, get it while you can. Um, and also, thanks to Sarah Bessie for joining us. You can follow her on Instagram at Sarah Bessie. All right. On that note, we'll wrap things up. Trent, man, thanks for sitting in with us. It was a blast. Today. Yeah, appreciate it. Appreciate uh, it. Yeah, fun, everybody man. go check out his new single retrospect it's everywhere you get your music and you said you're doing a new single every month huh yes is that a new thing like you're not doing an album release you're just trickling it out like intentionally yeah i thought it would be better to trickle it out and i'm trying to get certain features on on the songs um so hopefully that'll pan out very cool very cool yeah man um yeah so there you go uh on that note we'll wrap it i'm cameron strang i'm jesse carey I'm Tyler Huckabee. I'm Trent Dabbs. We will see you on Friday. Have a good week, everyone. Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, browse the shows on the Relevant Podcast Network, which you can find at our site. And while you're there, don't miss the all-new era of Relevant Magazine. A new issue releases every other month at RelevantMagazine.com. That I had to blowtorch the Manson family. It'd be a wild time. Relevant Podcast Network. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.